0: Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com, so please subscribe. We spoke earlier today to Peter Doyle, who's the MD and CEO of Montem Resources, ASX-listed cook and coal developer with assets in Canada. If you want our thoughts and opinions on that conversation and the company itself, you can find that at cruxinvestor.com. slash club where you can also find detailed company reports, you can find commentary from experts from around the world on a variety of commodities and companies. There are training videos on there, summaries of other interviews that we have done, just to save you a little bit of time. And of course, there's a thriving community of investors sharing their thoughts and ideas with each other in a friendly environment. And you should go along there now and join them at cruxinvestor.com/club.
1: Peter, how are you doing, sir? I'm very well, thanks, Matt. How are you?
0: Not too bad. I've got an Aussie who's in Canada. What are you doing there?
1: Trying to start a, a coal mine and and lift a coal mining company uh, into uh, the stratosphere.
0: Oh, good lad. Well, we're going we're gonna to hear all about it in a second for, for sure. But um, seriously, what are you doing there? Is it just you've moved because of work? Or have you been there a while? Yeah,
1: we, uh, we moved up to Canada uh, five years ago. I first came here in uh, 2012. And really, it started from a conversation in Hong Kong in 2006 that Canada really has an amazing set of uh, coking coal uh, reserves and uh, I've just always seen it as an opportunity and took that opportunity in 2014 and moved up here in 2015.
0: Oh, nice one. Okay. You and the family. Very good. Yeah. Okay, Well, why don't you kick off, give us a 1-minute overview of the uh, company and I'll pick it up from there.
1: Okay, excellent. Well, thanks very much for, for having me. Uh, Montem Resources, uh, nearly listed on the ASX. We're a coking coal company operating in Canada. Uh, we have a number of development assets in the heartbeat of coking coal uh, production in Canada called the Crowsnest Pass. Uh, we have one mine uh, that we're bringing back into life. Uh, we should be producing from that in 2022 and we're going to take the profits from that mine and um, invest them in our large development assets that are adjacent to, uh, to that mine.
0: Okay, well, let's, let's get into the business plan in a second, but we, we've got to start at the basics here. For people who hear the word coal and they go, oh no, thank you very much. That's dirty, filthy coal. The future is uh, battery metals for sure. You must get that a lot.
1: Yeah, we do, and and look, I've been in the coal industry over 25 years. Uh, I it's a it's misunderstood, but but quite simply, there are two types of coal, or there are there are two uses for coal. The first uh, and the the one that is is the majority of coal around the world is used to produce uh, energy, and and that's in the form of, of mostly steam, and then turned into electricity. That is called thermal coal or steaming coal. Uh, and we have none of that. And what we have is called coking coal or metallurgical coal, uh, and now an easy to to understand uh, term: steelmaking coal. So coking coal is quite rare. Uh, it makes up around about ten percent of the global coal resources. Uh, it's a it's a it's a, a precious resource. Uh, it's highly sorted by uh, highly yeah. It's it's a fundamental um, feedstock to modern steel making. You can't have the type of society that we have without steel. It is the backbone of all that we do. We use it in basically everything from infrastructure, to the battery metals that you, to the batteries that you talked about, to, uh, to the cars that they're going to drive, um, in our schools, in our transport, uh, and to make steel, you need to um, uh, create a well. To make steel from from the blast furnace, which accounts for around about seventy percent of new steel production, the other thirty percent is recycled steel. Uh, you need uh, to take iron ore, put it in a blast furnace with coke that's made from coking coal, uh, and out the bottom of that uh, industrial. Process comes pig iron, and that then gets refined into steel. Okay,
0: thanks. Thanks for breaking it down. It, it's just it is quite confusing because we, we are all talking about you know green revolution and green circular economies and all that ESG type stuff, and people get confused between the two. Um, in fact, I'm ashamed to say I used to do the structured finance for thermal coal deals uh, in India. So there we go. That's, that's my checkered checker pass. But um, <laughs> you touched upon the business plan there. So your new company, Modern Resource a new company. So I'm, I don't really have too much to grill you on, but I am going to listen to your story because I'm intrigued by it. It's the first coal story we've had on this show actually. As um, to what you're setting out to do and how you're doing it. You talked about a two-stage approach there. So I'm definitely intrigued. So tell us what you've got and tell us what you're starting with, and then I'll, and I'll try and uh, see if we can uh, ask you some questions off the back of that.
1: Okay. Yeah. Excellent. Um, well, we uh, we have a, a huge uh, asset base in, as I said before, the Crowsnest Pass. Uh, the Crowsnest Pass is in southern Alberta, Canada. Um, it's right on the railway line that goes directly to the port for export of, of this coal. Um, and we are adjacent to Tech Resources, which is the second largest uh, company exporting uh, coking coal company in the world, behind BHP. Um, and Canada is the third largest exporter of uh, seaborne coking coal behind Australia and uh, the US. Um, so we've got a bunch of uh, great assets sitting in exactly the right spot uh, on on infrastructure. <coughs> We have really three classes of assets. The first one, uh, and our our sort of headline asset, I guess, is uh, the Tent Mountain mine. It's an existing mine with existing permits, which gives us a really big advantage over a greenfield um, exploration company. Uh, we have been working at Tent Mountain for the last three years. Uh, you say yes. We're a new company. We're newly listed, but the company was formed in 2016 when we bought these assets, uh, and and this is all we do is coking coal in uh, in Canada. Um, the Ten Mound Mine will uh, is is planned to go into production in 2022. Right now, we're at the final stages. In fact, I signed a letter earlier this week that went to government to say that we plan to restart the mine. We've completed. Two and a half years of environmental monitoring, engaging with the local community, and doing a uh, definitive feasibility study on the mine to make sure that it actually makes money. Um, and does, the, does the it? results, the results are compelling. Yeah, it's great. Uh, so it's, it's it's a mine that's halfway through its life. So it it operated in the 70s and 80s. Uh, it had a 15-year contract with the Japanese that finished. And at the end of that, the mine uh, was not able to survive in the spot market, which was much different trade to to now, and at a much different price point. So yeah, it's a it's a um, a, a nice mine. It's uh, it should get into production really fast, and on its uh, on average, on an average pricing, should produce. Around 60 million Aussie abated per annum for 14 years.
0: Okay, well that doesn't sound big in the in the world of coal to me. So let me just talk to you about the ambition here because you've got Mark Lochtenberg on the uh, board as well. In fact, he what is he? He's, I know he's an NED, but he's ex Glencore. That suggests the kind of size. Your track record to me suggests that you you're used to working at a certain level. So talk to me about the plans for this because stage sure. one feels a bit small.
1: Yeah, well, it's, it's small for a reason, and I'll explain that to, to you. Um, and yeah, look, Mark is great. Uh, it's good to be back working with Mark. We've worked previously before. We used to, um, you know, both work at Glencore. I was at a very different level to Mark back then, 20, over 20 years ago. Um, and then at Cockatoo Coal, uh, he was the CEO and I was the COO. Mark's the chairman uh, of this company. Um, I approached him early on to become an NED, and then uh, he became the chairman later. And he's invested heavily in the company as well, which I think is really great. Um, look, we have ambitions to produce 10 million tons from our assets, and we think the assets can do that. Uh, the Tent Mountain mine is simply the the platform or the or the, uh, the the springboard into that 10 million tons because it has a permit. So it's a relatively modest amount of capital to get it started, and. Uh, we can do it much much faster than anybody else doing a greenfields development you know it takes around about a minimum of 5 years and pushing out to 7 now to start from from a greenfields operation to to do the exploration the environmental work the planning and then get the approvals whereas we should be going uh, around about the end of 2021 fourth quarter of 2021 we should have our final green light from the government to restart the mine a, a, a quick Restart and then use the profits from that to put it into the Chinook project. Chinook, uh, we've just finished drilling our first season at Chinook. Uh, We released the results to the ASX uh, about two weeks ago, and it's fantastic. We the Chinook project sits on top of uh, three old mines. Again, they used to export to China, um, uh, sorry to Japan, and um, these are. these mines are—they um, they were old underground mines that uh, operated in the '70s and '80s. We're exploring for open cut uh, resources next to them. We have 150 million tons of jork there right now, and we all, and we have uh, an exploration target of another up to another 450 million tons, which gives us great. Um, uh, anticipation and excitement over what this project can be. We've done a concept study uh, on, on the existing asset base. We've done uh, some drilling. As I said, the results uh, released to market the other day. We found coal seams on average at 22 metres thick, which for hard coking coal is, is quite extraordinary. Um, and yeah, we will, we will work over the next two years to bring that up to a pre feasibility level study. And then apply to the government uh, to to open that mine, and in five five or so years we expect to get uh, approval for that, and to put that into production as well. And that will take our production levels from around just over a million tonnes to upwards of six, around about six million tonnes is our expectation.
0: Okay, so so, so before we start running, let, let, let's work out if we how the walkings going. Let's come back to Tent Mountain here. So how much cash have you got today? What more do you need to do? Are you, are you saying that? With regards to permitting and licenses, the Alberta government is our province has been quite helpful to you. They want to get this thing back and going. And what are the stumbling blocks in reality?
1: Sure, uh, they're all good questions. So we listed uh, in September and we raised eight million dollars. We've just put a bit of that to work in in the latest drilling program. At the start of October, we had seven million dollars, and we expect to go into the new year with around about four and a half million dollars. After that, drilling program is all paid for. We uh, we we raised enough money at the IPO to get us to the start of construction at Tent Mountain. We then need to uh, you know fund the actual mine build, and we have a number of strategies uh, in play to do that. So the first is the fundamentals are. About half the capital is for mobile fleet, and we expect to get a good leasing deal on fleet from. What's the, number
0: What's the number though? What are we looking yeah, for? Yeah,
1: so it's uh, it's a 168 million is the estimate from the feasibility study of US, and uh, and seventy, I think it's 73 million of that is uh, mobile fleet. So we expect to get that uh, number as a, as a lease. And then the remaining approximately 100 million US, we uh, we need to do two things to, to get that. Some is debt, and and we are already talking with uh, with uh, arrangers of debt and approaching that. But it's a little bit early. The the plan for the company is to sell part of Tent Mountain to a joint venture partner. So oh, we've been engaged.
0: Interesting. Okay. Why 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 that route? Given it so small.
1: Well, I think it's a, it's a tried and true, uh, successful route. It's fundamentally the the people that use the coal, the steelmakers in in North Asia, Japanese, Korean steelmakers, want to secure supply. They want to see new entrants come into supply. There is forecast a very big supply gap for steelmaking coal uh, over the next two decades. There just isn't the investment going into these uh, these projects, and they're just these projects are getting harder to find. Um, and so, our expectation and our knowledge of, of doing this before is that uh, Japanese steelmakers, Japanese trading houses, Korean steelmakers, Korean trading houses, and Indian and Chinese as well will invest in the project at the project level, providing comfort for equity investors that, that we've got a good partner, comfort for debt that we've got a good partner, but most importantly, the offtake. So you've got a trading house that's selling into JFE and selling into Nippon Steel and selling into Posco and Hyundai and um, really facilitating that you're getting good offtake of your coal and, and at a good price.
0: Okay. And that's, and that's also good news because it, it, it's quicker, I suspect. If you've yeah, got absolutely. those relationships absolutely. from Glencore days, it gets you in. You don't mind giving a little bit or leaving something on the table for them because your main focus. Is this second project at Chinook? That's where you're really making the money.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right, Matt. I mean, look, 10 Mountain makes good money, even in today's uh, market. And I'll talk a little bit about the market because it's an interesting time. But, um, you know, 10 Mountain makes good money. And uh, they will, the, our, our belief is that joint venture partners will want to participate in that. But of course, they'll be interested in this large upscale into the next project. And you know, you, you you do business with your friends. So, if we're already in business on one mine, it's highly likely that we'll be in business on the second mine.
0: Okay. So, well, can can we talk about your other friends, the shareholders, at the moment, right? Which is the, just understanding the timing of Chinook. So, you, you kind of laid out the timing on Tent Mountain, which 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 is great. That's an accelerated timeframe. That's great. But Chinook, what are the things that are going to slow that down, or do you think it's a nice easy run into that?
1: Well, look, I. I you know, developing coal projects in, in Western domains is not uh, a walk in the park, but it's also a laid out plan. You know, the government, particularly the government in Alberta, really, Canada's an extractive based economy. It remains that. It has uh, large and very, very attractive coal, uh, met, met coal resources, and the government wants them developed. They have a large industry already. Um, right next door to us in British Columbia, and all those royalties go to the British Columbia government. And the Alberta government are attracted to uh, replicate that industry just 20 kilometres away on on the Albertan side of the border. Um, in terms of stumbling blocks, really, it's financing and getting the work done. Matt, you know, we we've done our first phase of exploration. We believe that our business plan of lifting uh, of focusing on the on the on the more modest size investment to then fund the second investment will work. Uh, We have 2 more seasons of drilling to go, bring the project through pre-feasibility level, present that to the government, get uh, the terms of reference for an EIA, do the EIA and then apply for the mine. That process will take through to 2024. And then we expect to uh, get approval in 2026 and production in 2027. Okay, that's our timeline. Beautiful.
0: Tell me this, because again, I'm just—we're all learning here. Because it's—it's not an area that a lot of people, you know, investigate because they've made some assumptions. So, coking coal—is that all the same grade? Do you get premiums for one type of coking coal versus another?
1: Yeah, you do. Uh, The premium grade coking coal is the headline price, and then. All other coal is benchmarked against that price and sold at a at a discount. Now, it sounds uh, sort of dramatic a discount, but the discounts are tiny, right? Um, the The headline price might be discounted 1% one percent or a dollar to the next to the next brand of coal, and and so on. Uh, the Tent Mountain coal we expect to sell at a thirteen percent discount to headline prices, and we've had three different uh, marketing groups look at that and give us their ranges. Uh, and the ranges are sensitive, right? We've got a business to run, but on average, it's thirteen uh, percent. We uh, we expect that the Chinook project in January will release the coal quality results. This coal used to be used by the Japanese steel mills. They've told us it was their best brand coming out of Canada back in the early '80s. Uh, so our expectations are high. Um, we expect this coal to be sold at a very small discount for the headline price, within 2 or
0: 3%. Okay, because the, the DFS uh, on Tent Mountain, you're talking about 17% post-tax IRRs. Is that normal? Is that a good good number?
1: Oh, look, it's, we, we're, we're working. That's on a project basis, not an equity basis. If you do it on an equity basis, it kicks into 25% once okay. you gear it. Um, but we always present our projects on an equity basis. Uh, uh, sorry, on a full project basis, that is, uh, there's been no work yet done to, uh, to I guess, high grade that pe- that feasibility level study yep. that that yep. was done third party to present to a market to so say this is okay. the exactly. base case.
0: Exactly that. It's worth, but it's worth pointing that out to people because they look at looking anything sub twenty, people get nervous about. But you've yet to optimise the the, the capital component to it. Yeah,
1: um, absolutely. And and look the the. It's also worth recognising that we believe this mine is is fundamental to our business. We get started first. There's a huge amount. If you look at the maps on our website or the videos, there's a huge amount of concentration of effort going in here, and first to market has to have an advantage over the rest. We get cash flow going of sixty million bucks a year. We're not going back to uh, to shareholders to ask for more money. And we start looking around at what other attractive assets are that we could accumulate.
0: Okay, so so let's, again, let's just help people understand a space that perhaps don't really delve into. So. Um, there's going to be a few new producers coming into market at the same time. I know I get the coconut's only ten percent the marketplace, but um, what's the size of that market? What's the effect of these new producers coming on board? The same roughly the same time as you, you know, and in relation to how the pricing has looked over the say the last 10 years and going forward?
1: Sure. So right now the price for an Australian cargo is hundred dollars for the headline brand. And it's an interesting time, as, we, as I mentioned before, because the Canadian coal, the equivalent Canadian coal, is getting 140 dollars right now today. If you wanted, if you came into the market and you wanted to buy uh, 100,000 tons of hard coking coal from Queensland, it's 100 bucks a ton, and 100,000 tons from Canada, it's 140 bucks a ton.
0: Why? Why?
1: Why? Well, the, the, there's I don't want to get into the politics of it too much, but oh, please the don't. Chinese. The, well, the China, <laughs> Look. I'm not a politician. I'm a coal miner. The Chinese and the Australian governments are not are are uh, having a little bit of a disagreement at the moment, and and perhaps a trade war of their own. And and right now, it appears that the Chinese are not allowed to buy Australian coking coal, but they are allowed to buy other coking coal, which they're doing. So, you know what that sets up is the steelmakers in China are paying too much. Compared to their competitors for for their feedstock and their steel margins are going to go down and and they're going to put their hand up at some point and say hey this is hurting us
0: yeah, it's not going to last so that's a that's a temporary uh, blip in the marketplace so let's come back to that point of you know can you compete when there are lots of new competitors coming into this space what's it going to do to price
1: yeah look we well. So there's not a lot of new competitors coming into the space. The concentration of supply in hard coding coal around the world is dramatic. There are really only four or five big producers of hard coding coal. And so they keep supply constrained for for very good well, you know, they can, maybe constraints the wrong term, but but they keep it under control such that the market doesn't get oversupply. Um and that discipline from the supply side is, has been you know, a dominant factor over the last decade, but the average for the last 10 years for hard coking coal is $180 a ton. And we've had these great swings where we've seen it go over $300 multiple times. And if you're a little uh, new company like ours, we are aiming to get assets set that make money at $100 a ton US. Uh, we work on an average forecast price of $150 US. But if you then look at our metrics at $180 US, suddenly our IRR jumps from 17% to more like 22%. You gear it up and you're up over 30. So, you know, these things actually print money when, when times are good. They really do. And that's why we're attracted to, to hard coking and coal and open cut mining, where you've got huge uh, uh, scale to, to ramp things up fast, much faster than underground mining. And really take advantage of those times in the market when when things go high. And look, right now it's setting up perfectly for that. In the next two years, coal prices will go dramatically high. The supply is getting constrained and constrained and constrained, and um, there's nothing slowing down the demand side. The demand side is lifting, and in fact, driven by government spending on infrastructure. Steel uh, utilization in China is the highest it's ever been. And around the globe it's starting to tick up. You've got more cars being made in Japan right now than just about ever before. Um, steel, steel consumption is very, very high and that drives the feedstock price for, for that. So I'm not sure if, you, if we talked about that. In terms of supply, where we are there, are, there are 2 other main groups right next door to us. One is Hancock Prospecting, Australia, one of Australia's largest mining companies. Have come into Canada and they paid $750 million or $745 million for a project next door to us. Now, to put that in context, our market cap is around about $40 million and we've got more assets than what Hancock bought. Um, they have one project that's proved up and is going through permitting right now called Grassy Mountain. It's a four and a half million ton mine, and we would argue that the Chinook project is quite uh, similar in scale and size, albeit it's not proved up to the same, same level yet. and it's a few more years away. But that's kind of you get that for free with, with us right now. Our market cap indicates that the Tent mountain um, is, is got an NPV of around about 140 million. Um, and our market cap of 40 million, you know, it just doesn't add up. For us, the value is is to see us accrete quite rapidly up to the kind of levels of our nearest pier on the ASX, which is Atram. Atram are uh, drilling out a project to the north of us um, called the Elan, or to the east and north of us called Elan. Uh, it's a wonderful coal deposit. Uh, I was at Atram when we bought that. Uh, and I came across to Montem because I saw the advantage of our permit at Tent Mountain. You know, the capital required to take a project from a greenfield through to full development is quite a lot, uh, and it's why people like or companies like um, Hancock are coming in at a later stage because they can pick them up for for what they think is a reasonable price. Um, and, and put them into to construction and, and production. For us, and for me personally as a professional in this industry, I saw the attraction of the permits at Tent Mountain as a great advantage to get into production fast. Um, and then coming all the way back to your question about, about capacity, there's ample capacity on the railway line, uh, there's ample capacity at the ports in Canada, uh, they have great infrastructure supporting these uh, industries. As I said right at the beginning, it's an extractive-based economy and it remains so and the infrastructure is really good.
0: Okay, so let's be clear, when I said there's like new entrants, you said there wasn't. There are 2 new entrants you know, in, in spitting distance of, of your asset with big yep. balance sheets attached to them. And I get the point that you're arguing that compared to them, you present more value, more leverage to an investor coming in, given the scale of the assets. You are yep. going to have to sort out a strategic partner to bring the capital in, to produce the cash, to do something with Chinook. So that's, that's your game plan. You're being a bit more, I guess we say, agile about the way that you think about it.
1: Well, I, 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 yeah, I'll, I'll take agile. I think for us, it's just the fundamentals of how this business runs, right? You, you go out and find something good, and then you get it, you, you attract partners with their balance sheet to, to help you lift it into production. You sound and, like one of those companies that's trying to make build- money. <laughs> look, we set out. You look at our board and our senior management. You know, Bob Bell's been uh, a stalwart of this company from the outset. Bob is very well respected in global coal markets. He used to be the, um, uh, the chief commercial officer of Tech Coal Unit. So he looked after all of their uh, coal sales and, and logistics for nearly 30 million tons of production. Bob knows what he's doing. Um, he actually rang me and said, You should have a look at this uh, when I was at Atram. Uh, they, I've given you their name and, and you should have a look at it. And it didn't take me long to uh, see what he was talking about. We are set up to be a mining company. We're not set up to be, uh, you know, to find something and, and sell it on. If the opportunity comes, of course, we'll, we'll assess it. Um, but we believe that we can produce uh, up to 10 million tons of hard cane coal. And, and once you get to that level, Matthew, you're talking about a multi billion dollar company. So that's what we think our asset base, base can support. Uh, you step through or we step through together the process to get there and I think we have, you know, the fundamentals are there. We've got the management team to do it and we've got the asset base to support it. Yes,
0: yeah, it's, it's interesting when we sort of do the analysis of, of uh, coal companies in the markets so on, on across various exchanges, there's a lot of them sitting on a lot of cash. It's like they don't know what to do with the money.
1: Yeah, well, that's um. There's a few of them in Australia like that, and uh, you know they. I think they wait for juniors like us to to prove things up and then acquire them. Um, you know, as I said, we of course will assess any any offers and opportunities that come our way, but uh, we believe that we already have the fundamentals in place to, to make our shareholders very very wealthy.
0: Okay, Peter. Well, like, nice run through. Um, we haven't spoken before, and it's, you know, a new story to us. And it's in a space which, again, we didn't imagine that we'd be getting into, but yours attracted us. We, we like the, the look of what you're doing, especially the, the, the team. Track record is uh, pretty impressive. Also, uh, well, Mr. Flannery is on board, isn't he? You've got a rather sophisticated yep. investor. Might be worth mentioning.
1: Yeah, we do. We do. We've got uh, we've got a number of them. Actually, we've uh, we've just uh, due to the IPO, we we attracted a couple more institutions. But before the IPO, when we were private, we had two real uh, uh, you know base picking up the base and saying stay private. The market doesn't appreciate what you've got, and that is uh, the Flannery family. Brian Flannery uh, has been a strong supporter of me and and the company from the outset. Uh, and they've accumulated quite a quite a holding uh, brian is is well known in australia uh he was the managing director of Felix Resources who sold um to uh, yang coal uh some time ago now and and I don't know the number off the top of my head, but it was a stunning number in the multiples of billions of dollars when he sold that coal company um, and our largest shareholder is, and and our biggest supporter is Regal Funds Management. Regal have uh, bought seed stock uh, and then supported us to stay private and said, "Wait until you you have things proved up and then take it to the public." And they supported us at the IPO and they continue to support us. A very good rapport with the guys at Regal. They've been to site. They know what it is that they're invested in, and they're very very pleased to be on our register. And we're very very pleased to have them.
0: Okay. Well, like I like say, Peter, um, just wanted to hear the story. You know, it's early days, so uh, I want to see what you do. I want to see if you do what you say and say what you do. Uh, Stay in touch. Let us know how you get on, okay? I'd be delighted to take that phone call.
1: Yeah, I oh, will. Well, I'll look forward to telling you that we're doing what we say we've done and achieving what we're setting out to achieve. Thanks very much for your time, Matthew.
0: Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast?